happy Monday. We left off in the book last week where Minli had just met the king, or at least she thought it was the king in disguise. Today we're going to find out if it really is him and what happens next. Here we go. Minli shook herself from her shock. The king, Minli said. I can't lose him now. And in a panic, she began to run after the tattered figure. And it was quite a chase, or it would have been, if the beggar had realized he had been followed. He wove in and out, around people in bins of rice, each step taking them closer to the unused areas of the city. Behind a pile of discarded baskets, Minley thought she had lost him. But luckily, the gray sleeve of his loose jacket waved at her, and she saw him round the walled corner of the inner city. As an abandoned wagon hid her from his view, she saw him push against a portion of the wall. With a slow groan, the wall moved. It's a secret door to the inner city, Minley gasped, and she was able to reach it just before it closed completely. With both hands, she pressed hard against it, and the door pushed open. And like a lid of a jewelry box, the door opened into a landscape of radiant colors. The bamboo, pine, and plum leaves seemed to shine in the sun, as if carved from emeralds, and the accents of the pink and red flowers were like nestled rubies. Steps away from her feet, Minley could see a patterned pathway made of water-worn pebbles. The central jade green lake mirrored the arching tiled roofs of the pavilions and the rough beauty of large weathered rock sculptures. A winding covered walkway lifted up from the cloudy water like a lotus flower. It could only be the palace garden. But Min Lee barely noticed this. Instead, she stood with her large eyes, staring at the figure in front of her. The beggar was wiping his face with a delicate white cloth, and Min Lee saw again that he was not an old man at all. In fact, he was younger than Ba. The gray of his hair was wiped away with the cloth as well and his beard and his head were glossy black as Min Lee's. His gray rags had been cast off in a pile next to him, and he was clothed in a bright yellow silk, the color of the sun. Intricate dragons and multicolored clouds that matched the designs of the gold bracelet he wore were embroidered on his robes and glittered in the light. There was no doubt now that he was the king. Then the king turned around and saw her. At his glance, Minli shrank to the ground in a humbled kowtow. Your majesty, Minli breathed, and her knees could feel the thumping of her heart in, his, in her chest. Caught, Minli heard him say, and she peeked up to see the king looking at her with the same amused expression he had as a beggar, watching the people eat the peaches. He shook his head at her, with his eyes twinkling at her. He could have been the young father of... One of the cling to her, he could have been the young father of one of her village friends. And by you, he said, my little benefactor, I knew you were a clever one. Your majesty, your majesty, a chorus of voices came through the air toward them, and Min Lee could see a parade of servants in the distance, running across the zigzagged bridge. Well, you mustn't be caught by them, the king said to Min Lee. Then they would find out all about my little adventures, and then where will I be? He pulled Minley up to her feet and pushed her behind one of the giant gnarled stone carvings, kicking his rags over her. Quickly, quickly, he said, and don't say a word. I command you not to say a word or to come out until I say so. 
Minley clutched the rough stone and made herself as small as possible. Hundreds of footsteps were approaching, like falling rain from a thunderstorm. What is this? the king demanded. Has war been declared to the city? Your majesty, an out-of-breath voice said, we have been searching for you. Searching for me, the king said. I have been here in the garden for hours. We, we must have missed you, the voice stuttered. None could find you. The guards had not seen you, and we feared. You feared the king of the city of bright moonlight had been spirited away? The king laughed. Not this time, Counselor Chu. However, I do feel the wish to c- commune with the moonlight, the moon tonight. Your majesty, the voice said. Yes, the king said decisively. Tonight I wish to be alone in the garden with the moon. Have a meal brought to me in the clasping the moon pavilion, and do not disturb me until morning. Yes, your majesty, the voice said, and Minley couldn't help but peek out. She saw rows and rows of finely dressed people kneeling with their heads on the ground in front of the king. Their rich silk clothing shimmered in the fading sunlight. One man, dressed in black, kneeled closer to the king, separate from the rest of the courtiers. Minley guessed he was the counselor, too. Actually, bring me two meals, the king said and glanced toward Min Lee. She caught his eye and quickly shrank back out of sight. Two meals, your majesty? Counselor Chu asked, which is the faintest question in his voice. Yes, two meals, the king said. I shall honor the spirit of the moon with her own meal, since she'll be keeping me company. It is only fair. Yes, your majesty, the counselor said. Min Lee could only guess how puzzled he was, but he was well-trained enough to keep it out of his voice. In an hour's time, the king said, I shall be at the clasping the moon pavilion. I want the food waiting for me and nothing else. I do not wish to be disturbed by anyone this evening. Yes, your majesty, the voice said again. And Minley could hear the shuffling and swishing of silk as the group rose and took leave of the king. They've gone, the king said in a low voice. You can come out now. Minley crawled out from behind the sculpture. Well, my little friend, he said to her, now that you know who I am, come walk with me and tell me who you are. Chapter 23. Minley and the king walked through the garden, and she told him her name and where she was from and about her journey. Remembering the fish's warning, she carefully didn't mention dragon waiting for her in the forest. As they walked, the patterned stone pathways gently massaged her feet, and the sun seemed to disappear like a closing flower. When they finally approached the pavilion, night had fallen. So, the king said, now you've come here to find the guardian of the city. Yes, Minli said, and looked at him expectantly. And you think the guardian is me, the king said. Yes, Minli said. Do you know what the borrowed line is? May I have it? The borrowed line, the king repeated, and they stopped in front of the pavilion. The moon's reflection fastened onto the water's surface, and Minley saw why the pavilion was called Clasping the Moon. The image of the moon lay protected in the water like a glowing pearl, and the king stared at it, deep in thought. Come, let's eat, and then we'll see what can be done about your borrowed line. Minley entered the open-air pavilion. At the center... Two stools and a small table of elaborately carved ginkgo wood waited for them. A largely finely woven bamboo basket as tall as Minley's waist stood next to the chairs. 
The king eagerly lifted off its lid, and rich, warm aromas floated in the air, making Minley's stomach grumble. The king took out the plates of delicate pink shrimp dumplings, savory noodles and pork, dragon's beard, bean sprout, emerald green chives, and a bowl of white jade tofu soup. A pot of tea and an assortment of cakes sat on the bottom layer of the basket to finish off dinner. The king handed Minley a pair of intricate gold chopsticks that weighed heavily in her hands, and with his urging, Minley began to eat what was easily the most delicious meal she had ever had. I'm not sure what the borrowed line is that you're looking for, the king told Minley as he sipped his tea. They had finished eating the main meal, and she was enjoying a turtle-shaped cake filled with sweet and soft red bean paste, a taste not known to her before. As she swallowed, its richness seemed to warm her from her throat to her stomach. But I think I can guess. With great effort, Minley stopped eating and looked at him. You can? she asked, and suddenly a hope filled her. What do you think it is? Do you know why this city is called the City of Bright Moonlight? the king asked. Minley shook her head. My great-great-grandfather changed his name of the city. It used to be called the City of the Far Remote, but after he came to power, he changed it to the City of Bright Moonlight, the king said. Most people thought it was because he had a poetic heart, but it was more than that. Have you heard the story of the magistrate that tried to outwit the old man of the moon? Minley nodded. He tried to kill his son's destined wife, but they ended up together anyway. Ah, you know the story, the king smiled. That magistrate was my great-great-grandfather's father, and the city is the city that his son became king of through marriage. So the story is real, Minley said. Well, it is a story that has been passed through my family for generations, the king said, but there's more to it than what you've heard. The Unknown Part of the Story of the Old Man of the Moon After the old man of the moon told the magistrate that his son would marry the daughter of a grocer, Magistrate Tiger flew into a rage. With both hands, he grabbed the page and tore it from the book. But before he could rip the page in two, the old man's eyes stared into his, and the light of the moon seemed to blind the magistrate still. As the silence hung in the air, Magistrate Tiger's anger turned into fear. But finally, the old man of the moon nodded at him grimly. Pages of the Book of Fortune do not tear easily, but that paper was being sent to you before I borrowed it, the old man said. So perhaps it is only fitting that you finally receive it. Take it. The book has bestowed some extra qualities to it, though they will be useless to you as the original paper would have been. And without another word, the old man of the moon stood up and walked away up the mountain. The magistrate could do nothing but stare, clutching the ripped paper in dumbfounded silence. He tore a page out of the Book of Fortune, Minley said. Yes, the king said, but he himself was neighbor never able to read it, so it remained useless to him just as the old man of the moon had said it would be. Come, the king said, as he walked out of the pavilion onto the bridge under the moon. As Minley followed, he reached inside the breast of his shirt and slowly took out a gold-threaded pouch and said, This is the ripped page. It has been passed down from generation to generation, studied by the kings of the city of bright moonlight. 
none of us has ever understood what the old man of the moon meant when he said it was borrowed. Minley watched, fascinated as the king took from the gold pouch a delicate, folded piece of paper, paler than even the white jade tofu she had eaten for dinner. The paper seemed to have a light of its own, dimming the gold threads of the pouch that held it. It was my great-great-grandfather, the king said, unfolding the paper, who realized that the words on it can only be seen in the bright moonlight. He renamed the city of, of bright moonlight as a reminder for the kings that followed him. Minley looked at the paper as if in a daze. In the moonlight, the page glowed. A single line of faint words, as if written with shadows, was scrawled upon the page in a language Minley had never seen. So I think this paper, which the old man of the moon said he borrowed, the king said, this written line torn from the book of fortune is the borrowed line you seek. Of course, Minley said, and excitement bubbled inside of her. It must be. But her excitement popped as she looked carefully at the preserved page and remembered how the king had it on his person, carefully and preciously kept in a pouch around his neck. It seemed impossible that he would give her such a cherished treasure. It was only after much study that my great-great-grandfather was able to decipher the words, the king said, and that is when he realized the words changed according to the situation at the time. From then on, whenever a king of the city of bright moonlight has a problem, he consults the paper. And it tells you what to do? Minley asked. Yes, the king gave a weary smile, though not the way you think. Sometimes the line on the page is more mysterious than the problem. And with that, the king looked down at the line as he read, and a startled expression came across his face. What does it say? Minley asked. It says, the king said slowly, you only lose what you cling to. The king's words seemed to hang in the air. All was silent except for the soft rustling of the page and the gentle breeze. Min Lee, unable to speak, watched it flutter as if it were waving to her. So it seems your quest, the king said, deserves consideration. The line tells me as much. Let me think. Min Lee looked at the king, quite quiet but puzzled. For generations, my family has prized this paper. We have honored it for its spiritual power and authority. It has been passed on and studied and cherished and reserved. It has been valued above gold or jade, the king said slowly. But what is it, really? Min Lee shook her head, unsure if she should respond. It is actually, the king said, simply proof of my ancestor's rudeness, his up-principled anger and ruthless greed. Yet we've disregarded that. Instead, we guard and protect this written line so dearly that the rulers of the city of bright moonlight carry it at all times, not daring to let it out of their possession. The moon seemed to tremble as ripples spread over its reflection, caught in the water. The king continued again, speaking more to himself than to Min Lee. We have clung to it, always afraid of losing it, the king said, but if I choose to release it, there is no loss. Min Lee felt her breath freeze in her chest. She knew the king's mind was in a delicate balance. If he refused to give her the line now, she knew she would never get it. And perhaps it was never meant for us to cling to, 
No matter whom the paper originally belonged to, this is a page from the Book of Fortune, a book that no one owns, the king said. So perhaps it is time for the paper to return to the book. A wind skimmed the water, and Min Lee could see her anxious face as pale and white as the moon reflected on it. You only lose what you cling to, the king repeated to himself. He glanced again at the paper and then looked at Min Lee. A serene expression settled on his face, and then he quietly smiled and said, So, by choosing to give you the line, I do not lose it. And with those words, he placed the paper in Min Lee's trembling hands. Chapter 24 Outside the city, Dragon waited. Even after Min Lee had disappeared, the dragon still watched from the trees. He had felt odd when she had passed the old stone lions, and the door had closed behind her. He realized that he had never had a friend before, and what a nice feeling it was to have one. And perhaps that was why the second night, when the sky darkened and the moon rose, Dragon crept out from the shadows of the trees and approached the closed sleeping city. While he wouldn't admit it, Dragon thought just standing by the walled city might make him feel just a bit less lonely. The silver moon cast a frosted glow upon the rough stone wall and guardian lion statues. Dragon stared at them as he approached the gate. Their stocky, heavily built bodies seemed to weigh down the stone, flat po- stone platforms they sat upon, and the darkness of the night made their stiff, curly manes look like rows of card blo- carved blossoms. One lion held a round ball underneath his forearm. The other held a down a lion cub that seemed to be grinning at him. In fact, all the lions seemed to be grinning at him, as if there was a secret joke they were watching. Am I so funny? Dragon asked them as he passed. Yes, burst out the small lion cub, wriggling free of his mother's paw. You're very funny. As Dragon jumped back in surprise, the lion cub laughed out loud, obviously highly amused at the dragon's shock. But with his laugh, both adult lions shook themselves from their platforms. The mother lion scolded, Don't laugh at the lost dragon. Besides, you know the rules. No moving in the presence of others. But it's a dragon, the cub said. Not a people. He doesn't count for the rules, does he? Besides, he is funny. Big dragon trying to tiptoe like a mouse. Zao Mao, the deep male voice of the other lion, boomed in the air. The cub gave a half-hearted look of shame and was immediately quiet and still. By this time, Dragon had found his voice. You're alive then, he said. Of course we are, the male lion said, scrutinizing the dragon with interested eyes. Everything's alive. The ground you're walking on, the bark of those trees. We were always alive, even before we were lions, and we were just raw stone. However... Carving us did give us a little bit more personality. You're a fairly young dragon, aren't you? The female lion said kindly. You seem only a hundred or a hundred and fifty years old. Don't worry, you'll learn soon enough. A hundred, the lion cub said. I'm much older than you. I'm eight hundred and sixty-eight. And you still have not attained wisdom, the father lion told him. Don't tease the young one. Well, what are you doing here? The cub asked, not unkindly. Dragons don't usually come down to the earth much, 
Are you lost? Though unusual, the lions weren't unfriendly, so Dragon settled down and told them the whole story. Being born, living in the forest, meeting Min Li, and now their travels to find the borrowed line and the old man of the moon. The lions didn't interrupt once, though the cub did snicker from time to time. You belong to Magistrate Tiger, the cub said when the dragon had finished. That means you're the terrible dragon. You're the one that destroyed the king's father's palace. What a lot of trouble you caused. Dragon looked at the older lions questioningly. About 100 years ago, the female lion said, the king's father fled his home village. The dragon had destroyed his palace and his people had cast him out, saying he was bad luck. He came here, intending to make his home with his son and to live off his son's wealth and power as the king of the city of bright moonlight. There were bad times here for the city, as the king's father and the officials he brought with him were corrupt and greedy. We were very concerned. You, the dragon asked, why would it concern you? Why would it concern us? It is completely our concern, the male lion said. We are the guardians of the city. It's our responsibility to watch and keep the city turning. To see it begin to crack alarmed us to no end. And the lion held out a round ball in his hand and showed dragon an old deep fracture that was slowly being filled with the dust of the earth. What did you do? Dragon asked. A string of destiny. We were afraid the city would break. As the times became more, more turbulent, with secret meetings and violent outbursts, we watched the crack in our world widen. It was only a matter of time, we thought, before it would tear us into two. One night, as we despaired, we saw a figure walking in the moonlight, bent and old. He glowed in, with a lit lantern. When he saw he was carrying a large book and a small sack, we knew instantly it was the old man of the moon and called him over. Please help us, we begged him. We need to keep the city together. The old man in the moon looked at us, our outstretched cracking globe, and our pleading faces. Without a word, he sat down before us and opened his book, leafing through the pages and stroking his beard. After several minutes of consulting his book, he opened his sack and handed us a, th a red thread. You are to hold this until it's needed, the old man told us and then slapped his book shut and walked away, ignoring our words of thanks. We knew the old man of the moon had given us a string of destiny, one of the very strings he used to bind people together. It was a marvelous gift. While he left us no instructions, we guessed that we were to use it to tie around the city if it looked as if it were going to split. After that night, night after night, we washed our sphere ready to use a string at the first signs of breakage. Unsure of its power or abilities, we dared not use it for anything but the direst of circumstances. But the crack did not grow. Unexpectedly, the king renounced his father. He exiled him and his officials from the city, and harmony returned. Slowly, the fact fracture had filled with the powder of earth and stone, and I have held the string unused. And as the male lion finished, he lifted his paw to reveal a flattened line of red thread. The borrowed line, Dragon said. That's it. Minley said she needed to get to the borrowed line from the guardian of the city. You're the guardian, and that's the borrowed line we need. I suppose it is, the lion said, looking at the string. 
So perhaps I have been holding it all this time, so I give it to you. And the lion dropped the string into the dragon's outstretched hand. Uh-oh, now both the dragon and Minley think they have the borrowed line. Which one do you think is correct? Or could they both be? Let's read tomorrow and see what we find out. Thanks for listening.